Father, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you as we enter in to your word tonight, God, that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. So Holy Spirit, we just say, anoint the message. Father, speak individually to every person tonight, God. Even as I'm speaking, Holy Spirit, you speak. And I just release the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, Father. I thank you that everyone that is listening tonight, Father, that the eyes of their understanding are enlightened and they know the hope of their calling, God. I thank you that they see themselves the way that they really are in Christ. I thank you that they identify with Jesus, Lord. And I thank you that as we teach, as as the Holy Spirit teaches us tonight, Father, I thank you that there is going to be a new level of freedom, a new level of the manifestation, God, of our true identity, the manifestation of who we are in Christ. For, Father, it's not meant to be a theory. It's meant to be an experienced reality, God. And so I just release experiential identity tonight, God, just as we... Dive into your word, and Holy Spirit, you expound the word to us tonight, and you you teach us, Lord. I thank you that this is a message that causes us to experience the truth like never before, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to start tonight in Isaiah 61. Uh, it's a pretty popular uh, text of scripture here. Uh, it's It's the Old Testament prophecy about Jesus that Jesus actually uh, quotes about himself in in Luke uh, chapter 4. But I'm going to read it here in Isaiah 61, and here's what it says. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the meek, the poor, and the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison and of the, of the eyes to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of his favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn in verse three in the amplified, it says to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion to give them an ornament, a garland, a diadem of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. The garment expressive of praise instead of a heavy, burdened, and failing spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. Lofty, strong, magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. And renew the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And so here in Isaiah 61, uh, this prophecy that Isaiah is giving is talking about Jesus. And it's talking about that when the coming of Jesus comes, when Jesus comes, there's going to be this incredible transition, this incredible transformation. And where maybe... Before Jesus, we were meek and poor and afflicted, brokenhearted, uh, bound in captivity and bondage. That when Jesus comes, 
There's good news coming that's going to transform the transform us so that we will no longer be poor. We will no longer be brokenhearted. We will no longer be in bondage. Where we had been overlooked, we will now have favor. And it says that where we had, where we were mourning, we will now have joy. That where there was ashes, there's going to be beauty. Uh, Where there was a heavy, burdened, and failing spirit, there's going to be joy and praising. And so there's a complete reversal, if you will, of of this state that Jesus finds us in to bring us into a place of victory. The gospel is a victory message. It's about a reversal of the curse. It's about a restoration of all things. It's about a restoration to to what life would have been like had Adam and Eve never sinned. And he describes this that that this this transformation into forming us into he calls us an oak of righteousness. And so it says a planting of the Lord. It's like we're going to become a tree. And it says this this particular kind of tree is an oak of righteousness. And so the way that you and I truly are as an oak of righteousness, as we are lofty and strong, we are magnificent. We are, it says here, distinguished for uprightness. And... um. It says that as these oaks of righteousness, that then instead of being poor and in bondage and depressed, he says we have a work that we're going to do. He says that we're going to rebuild ancient ruins, that we're going to raise up former desolations and renew uh, ruined cities and renew the devastation of many generations. So this is an incredible picture of our transformation. We're going from brokenhearted and being in bondage and being broke and depressed into this lofty, immovable oak of righteousness that is now transforming the earth, rebuilding ancient ruins and raising up the former desolations. And I think a lot of times we we identify as still the one who has not met Jesus that we are still the brokenhearted, that we're still the poor, that we're still uh, in bondage, that we're, we're still depressed, that uh, we're still in mourning, if you will. And while that may be true of your emotions on any given day, it is not true about who you are in Christ. In Christ, you are an oak of righteousness. And the Lord has really been having me just, I I live on five acres, and he's been having me recently just look at the trees. And there's an interesting thing about trees in the sense that, I mean, all of the trees on our land, uh, we don't have to do anything to them. Like, we don't have to go out and water them. We don't have to take care of them at all. They're completely self-sufficient. Uh, their source, the only source they really have is God, the sun and the rain. I mean, they receive their nourishment. Uh, if, from my perspective, it's somewhat supernatural. They have no, they have no need for human, uh, intervention, if you will. And this oak of righteousness that it talks about in Isaiah 61 is a picture of that in a sense, in, in that we are in fact in Christ. Self-sufficient. 
When I say self-sufficient, I mean we are self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Let me read a scripture to you out of Philippians 4.13. It says this, I can do all things, and the Amplified it says, which, which he has called me to do, through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. I really encourage you to to make a note of that scripture and write it out. Write it out in your journal. Write it out on a four by six card because you and I are designed to have everything we need just like a tree, just like an oak of righteousness, meaning that God is our complete source. And in him, we are self-sufficient. It says here, I love this, that you are ready for anything, equal to anything, not on your own, but through him who infuses you with inner strength and confident peace. You know, a, a tree gets its nutrients and gets uh, fed from its root system. And you know, it, its root system is hidden. When we look at a tree, we can see the branches, we can see the, the leaves. In my case, pine needles on a lot of them or aspen trees, we can see the leaves. But I can't see where it's getting its nourishment from. It's hidden. It's underground. And that is the same with us. We have a hidden source inside of us the Holy Spirit, the Christ within us. And we are not to to depend on external, the external things, if you will, to tell us who we are. We have a, a source that is designed to bear fruit through us. When, when Jesus talked about abiding in the vine, you know, you and I in and of ourselves are not fruit bearers. In and of ourselves, we are the vine. We are the branch, rather, that's attached to the vine. So, we, so not only is this tree language describing who we are, it's really describing who we are in Christ. Because an oak of righteousness... Who's the oak of right? Jesus is the actual oak of righteousness because our righteousness comes from him. And so that's why in, in 1 John it says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. And so in the same way, think about this, that Jesus was self-sufficient when he was in his earthly ministry. He was, he was self-sufficient, what? In the Father's sufficiency. He was just completely dependent on the Father. And because of that, he could do all things. All things were possible for Jesus because of how he was relating to the Father. Let me read another, another couple of scriptures here that talks about this self-sufficiency of the believer. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing, come in abundance to you. It says, So that you may always... In the Amplified, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything. 
It says being completely self-sufficient in him and have abundance for every good work and act of charity. So this is a very powerful scripture as well that talks about the grace of God causing us to become self-sufficient. That every single, that we are in the, you know, in the same way it said in Philippians uh, 4.13, that we are ready for anything and equal to anything. Here in 2 Corinthians 9.8, it says that we will always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything. I mean, this is very much, to me, a picture of this tree that's not really, it's not relying, relying on human beings to take care of it. It has, it's sore, it's self-sufficient. And I know a lot of us think, a lot of us aren't experiencing that. A lot of us aren't experiencing self-sufficiency, aren't experiencing really what it means to have everything we need and to, and to be ready for anything and equal to everything in Christ. And the reason is, is that most of the time we are, we are kind of trained to look externally. We're, we, we, we are defined so many times by external things, by the external circumstances. If you want to know how much money we have, we say, go look at our bank account, right? And we'll, we'll look to our bank account to tell us how much money we have. If, if we want to know how healthy we are, well, we'll go to the doctor and get a physical. And if we get a clean bill of the, the doctor will assess our health. But what I'm saying and what the scriptures are saying is that God is our source. God is our source of everything that we need. And so how do we plug into that? How do we plug into this, this all grace? He says all grace. Well, the way that we plug into that is that we, first of all, we need to hear it. We need to hear that God has created us for good works. He has created us to be an oak of righteousness that rebuilds the, the, the ancient ruins and the, the desolations of the generations. He has called us to do impossible works. He's called us to do things that, frankly, in and of ourselves, we don't, we, we don't have what we need to do it. But yet we're still called to do it. So it is truly learning to receive from our source. How do we receive all grace? How do we receive the abundance of grace? It says in Romans 5 that when we receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, that we will reign in life as kings. And a lot of times we are taught that we are achieving something rather than receiving something. And in the kingdom, we are not achieving what Jesus has already provided. We are simply receiving it. So, Shalise, how do we receive it? How, how do we receive the abundance of grace? How do we, how do we experience self-sufficiency in Christ? How do we experience the truth that we are ready for anything and equal to anything through him, through him? How do we do that? How was it that David, for example, had all confidence to run to the battlefield and face a giant that obviously he was outmatched in the natural? I mean, David confidently, it says here, you know, that, 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 that when we... Um, it says, 
that Jesus infuses us with inner strength and confident peace. I mean, David obviously had some kind of confidence that God was with him, that he was, he was going to face this giant confidently and overcome when the whole army of Israel was hiding. We're terrified. You know, so it's, it's really this, this it's, it's a mindset. It's, it's, it's truly knowing what's been provided to us. Do we see ourselves as an oak of righteousness or do we see ourselves as the brokenhearted and the one that is, you know, depressed? Do we, do, are we, which, which, which identity are we identifying with? Before Jesus or after Jesus? The old man or the new man? And it's true not because you feel it. It's an invisible reality. But the more that you meditate on it, the more that you get into agreement with it, the more that you experience it. And I believe that Jesus is wanting to make us like the tree that the psalmist talks about in in Psalm chapter 1 that's planted by the streams of living water. And, you know, it says that 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 the man that meditates on the word of God day and night is like a tree planted by the streams of living water. And there's a, a strength that comes to that tree. It says that its leaf does not wither or fade even in the days of famine, meaning that it's not affected by the things externally because it's connected to the streams of living water. And so we have this source, but are we connected to it? What are we meditating on? What are we, are we relating and in agreement with, you know, we're this broken, broke person? Or are we this oak of righteousness? And what, what we meditate on and what we are in agreement with is absolutely what we will experience. And I'm not denying that you are an emotional being. I'm not denying that you may feel uh, that you may be facing circumstances that make you, put you in a place where you are in need of a breakthrough or something. But your circumstances and the need, the need does not make you needy. I'm going to read the scripture one more time. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens and empowers me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. You know, this is identity language. These are I am statements. These are statements that you and I should be declaring over ourselves. You know, the, the word I can't is actually a lie for you. Because the scripture here says I can do all things. So so the word I can't is really not not believer language. That's not believer language. You know? I'm broke is not believer's language. Right? The the word of God is full of identity language for you. You know, you are not unstable. You are an oak of righteousness. The only reason you experienced you experience instability is because you are not established in the reality of who you are. 
And the more you begin to believe and receive that you are this oak of righteousness, that you are self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency, the more you will begin to experience it. Most of us, when we have a need of some kind, our first reaction is to, to worry and to think, how am I going to get this? How am I going to meet this need? How am I going to meet this need? Rather than resting in the fact that it's already been provided. Resting in the reality of what Jesus has actually already done. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Let me read this to you. Verse 3, in the Amplified, it says, May blessing, praise, laudation, and eulogy be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual, given by the Holy Spirit, blessing, in the heavenly realm. Now let me read it to you in just another translation. Let me read it to you. Let's see how it reads in the New Living Translation. It says, I love this. Let us honor and thank the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. He has already given us a taste of what heaven is like. Right? So God has translated you and I from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of heaven. And so if we are dwelling in heaven right now, now granted, it is a complete invisible reality. It's invisible, but it still exists. You actually were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of heaven. So it is a reality whether you perceive it or not. Right? And so is a, is a, the planting of the Lord is an oak of righteousness. This is someone whose source is coming from the invisible kingdom of heaven. This is someone who's bearing fruit of heaven. This is someone who is abiding in the vine of Jesus and the, 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 the reality of spiritual blessings, invisible blessings of heaven are being manifested through our lives. And the way it works is that we just need to stay awake. We need to stay awake to the, to the reality of what is actually all around us, what is actually in us. I mean, how did Jesus, I mean, he, he, just, would, he just lifted up bread, blessed it, and it began to multiply. I mean, how did that miracle actually work? Why did, that, why did, why did something begin to multiply? It was absolutely supernatural, but more so than that, it was just an awareness. Jesus was aware of heaven's provision. Jesus was aware that in the blessing is a, is a multiplying language. When something is blessed, when Jesus, I mean, when the father in the original, uh, back in Genesis originally blessed humankind, he said, be fruitful and multiply. It says he blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. So the blessing is a multiplication. It's a multiplication. Think about this. Fruitfulness in and of itself is a multiplication. Think about nature. 
It's constantly multiplying and expanding and reproducing. Fruit produces fruit, produces fruit, produces fruit. Right? So as trees connected to the source of Jesus, connected to the source of heaven, blessed, blessed, I'll say it again, blessed with every spiritual blessing, empowered to increase, empowered to multiply with every spiritual blessing. You have been blessed to produce fruit, to produce the fruit of heaven, to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit, to produce Bread, if bread is what is needed. (laughs) To be self-sufficient in the sufficiency of heaven. And it works by faith. It works according to your faith. So the more that you connect with the reality that you are blessed, that you are self-sufficient, that you you are the healed, you are the, you are wearing a garment of praise, that you are, you are producing beauty where there was once ashes, the more you will experience it. It is a state of mind. It is a state of awareness, first and foremost. And so I just like to think that for Jesus, for example, that running out was an impossibility for him. Lack was an impossibility for Jesus. Not abundance wasn't an impossibility. Lack was an impossibility for him. And so whenever he encountered lack or he encountered sickness or he encountered something that was not like heaven, he just tapped into the source and supply. He just tapped into the source of healing, the source of provision, the invisible blessings of heaven. And so he could bless the bread expecting for it to multiply because he's blessed, the blessing was releasing heaven's bounty. The blessing was releasing what was immaterial into the material realm. It is transferred through the blessing. It is transferred through our words. It is transferred through our faith. I mean, when Jesus cursed the fig tree, right? That thing dried up at the root. I mean, the power of our blessing, the power of our curses, the power to release heaven, to release the provision of heaven, to release the bounty of heaven. Okay, I want to go to another scripture really quick. All right, I'm going to go to Isaiah 55. And verse 1 says, Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy and eat. Wine and milk without money and without cost. I mean, this scripture has always kind of confused me. I was like, okay, come who are thirsty, come to the waters, come who have no money, buy and eat. Well, you don't have any money, but he's saying come buy and eat. Why? Because there's another system at work here. There's a system at work in our lives called the kingdom of heaven that doesn't work on money. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't work because you, how many of you know you can't buy the kingdom of heaven? You can't buy salvation. You cannot buy your identity in Christ. You cannot buy what Jesus has freely provided. And so if you keep reading a little further down, you know, it says, why spend money on, on what is not bread? 
and your labor on what does not satisfy. He says, listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Right? Now, if you come down to verse 8, it says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, I want to stop there for a minute, as the kingdom of heaven is higher than the world, the world system, right? There's two systems here. We've got the world system of achieving, and we've got the heaven system of receiving. And here he says this. He says, my ways are higher than my, your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And then he gives this analogy. He says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Now, listen, we started out with this analogy of the tree, right? And we said the tree is self-sufficient in the sense that the rain comes down from the sky and nourishes it. The sun shines on the tree and nourishes it, right? And it is a picture. It's a picture of the way the kingdom of heaven operates. In the same way, the snow and the rain come down and cause the the earth to bud and flourish, so do our words in the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, God says, this is the way I think. This is the way I operate. He says, my words, when I speak them, they don't return to me empty. You know what they do? They produce fruit. They produce a manifestation of heaven. That's what they do. Words manifest heaven. And when it says we are self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency and that God is able to make all grace abound to us so that we have all that we need and we have been blessed with spiritual blessings in heavenly places, we are connected to the system, to the kingdom of heaven. And our fruit is the fruit of our lips. It is the fruit of our lips, and it is the fruit of our thoughts. And so we cannot afford to think we're broke. It's not that you can't afford what you need. What you can't afford is thinking you're broke. Right? When you are brokenhearted right? You can't afford to stay there, right? Because God has sent healing. And that is why we forgive. That is why we receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We have a source that heals our brokenhearted, that heals our broken heart. We have an invisible source that heals, And the way that we do that is we see things from his perspective. You know, in the case of being brokenhearted, I can tell you I've had a lot of brokenheartedness healed in my own life. And in every single instance, in every single instance, 
the Lord showed up in that place of pain and changed my thoughts to his thoughts. Think about it. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I mean, here Jesus had every right to be brokenhearted. Every right to be crushed by the betrayal and by the the rejection of, of humanity. Yet there was a perspective and there was a thought he was having on the cross that was that was was forgiving thoughts and so there are there the god's ways are higher than our ways and when we bring our our heartbreaks to him and we choose to forgive and we choose to allow him to show us his perspective in in the process he our heartbrokenness is healed And that is the case why, that's, but, but my point there is that we can't afford to stay in that place of brokenheartedness. So here he says, my word that goes out of my mouth does not return empty. It accomplishes what I desire and achieves the purpose for, when I, for, what, for which I sent it. So I'm going to go back to these scriptures here that talk about our self-sufficiency, that talk about you and I seeing ourselves as an oak of righteousness. There's one more I want to read. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, I am his workmanship, his own masterpiece, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above. Here it says this, Spiritually transformed, renewed, and ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. In such a... This is an incredible scripture because it tells us it's not showing you your future. I think a lot of times we're looking at scriptures like this, like, okay, someday I'm going to be ready to be used. Someday I'm going to be this oak of righteousness. Like I'm being transformed into an oak of righteousness or I'm being transformed into the place where I can do all things through Christ or I'm being, I'm, I'm going to in the future experience God's grace in such a way that I'm going to be self-sufficient and in every circumstance have complete sufficiency. You know, I read those scriptures. We look to these scriptures like it's somewhere in the future. But it's not in the future. It's in the past. It's in the past. When it says, when it says that let me go back to my scripture here. Hold on one second. I lost it. 
says that we are his workmanship. That's, you know, we are his work of art. It is a complete completed work. You are a finished work of art. You are not a work in process. You are not a a masterpiece being painted. You are a masterpiece that is finished. The only place it's not finished is in your mind. And because you believe it's a work in process and you believe that you are in process, well, you experience that you're in process. Your mind has not caught up with what's already done. So you need to look at the masterpiece that you are. You need to actually see yourself in a finished state, the way Jesus and the way the Father see you, the way they painted you, the way they created you as a sculpture. They have, you are a finished work. And when you gaze upon yourself, well, guess what? You will see yourself and you can be yourself. Here's what it says, though. Created in Christ Jesus, it says, reborn from above, renewed, and ready to be used for good works. Ready to be used for good works. You are already an oak of righteousness. You are an oak of righteousness. You are a righteous oak. You are a planting of the Lord. And you are designed to produce fruit because you are connected to the source of all things. And so I want you to um, really embrace that. Really embrace these truths. That possibly you are relating to yourself in a version of yourself that actually isn't real. Maybe it's just a figment of your imagination. Maybe it is a, a just a story that you've been living, but it's, it's, it's not true. Maybe there's a, a I, this is what I, I, I see in the Bible. I saw people who, it's like over and over again, the Bible, to, one way of looking at it is a, a book about people who discovered who they really are. And I think that's really what's happening with the gospel is that we read these scriptures and when it says, I can do all things through him who strengthens and empowers me. I mean, what do we look at to say that that's true or not? Do we look at our past and say, well, in the past I haven't done all things. And then we say, well, because I've never done all things, that means I can't do all things. I mean, where do, where do we look at to say that this is true? The only place to say th- that you need to look to say it's true is the fact that the Bible said it. If it says you can do all things, well, then that's the truth, regardless of what you've experienced up until this point. It says you can do all things. But it's through Christ. It says here, I am self-sufficient. I love this. In Christ's sufficiency. I'm ready for anything, equal to anything, through him who infuses me with inner strength and confidence. Peace. So there are some vocabulary words that we need to omit from our vocabulary. We need to omit the words, I can't. 
We need to admit the words, I'm broke. We need to admit the, the words, I'm broken. Right? We need to admit language that is not in agreement with what the, who the Bible says that you are. I am an oak of righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am complete in him. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. God has made all grace abound towards me so that I am always in every circumstance, regardless of the need. I have complete sufficiency in everything. And I have abundance for every good work and act of charity. I mean, and and we, we know kind of theoretically that God is a God that calls things that be not as though they are. We know theoretically that he thinks differently than we do and that his ways are differently than we do. But we, we need to make it our business to start thinking the way he thinks and operating the way he operates, which means that we agree with who he says he, we are, regardless of how we feel, regardless of what it looks like externally. You know, it's like this. The tree is a tree whether it knows it's a tree or not. You are who God says you are, even if you're not experiencing it right now. And so there's something that God wanted to talk to, to talk tonight about, about the idea that, that you have everything you need, that you lack nothing. You are self-sustaining in Christ. Everything you need has already been provided to you. The fact that you don't yet see it with your physical eyes or feel it with your physical emotions or your emotions or or any of your other physical senses does not mean that you are lacking. It doesn't mean that you don't have it. It All it simply means is that you can't see it. And the kingdom of heaven is an invisible reality that requires that we see the unseen, that we connect to what is invisible as much as we can connect to what is visible. You know, and a lot of times we want to bring, you know, the, the, the kingdom of heaven down to our level. We want to have open visions and we want to have, use our physical senses to connect with it rather than making it the goal for us to become a, a person who sees the invisible. Like, stop making the goal for the invisible to be visible so that you can interact with it. No, make the goal so that you are a spiritual being that interacts with the invisible realm as much or more than you interact with the physical realm. And so it means that we have to leave the identity of being broken, of being broke, of being... uh, And I'm not saying that we should not against seek healing for our broken hearts. But but don't don't make that your identity. You might have been, been victimized, but don't take on the identity of a victim. Don't make it your identity. Something happened, yes. But you are more powerful than what's happened to you. You are not the sum of your life experiences. You are the sum of what Jesus Christ has done in you.
Your identity is, is who God created you in Christ to be. And by its very nature, it is designed to overcome brokenness. It is designed to heal that which is broken. And I think, I remember when I was, you know, when I had no, I remember when I first started hearing this stuff. It's amazing. You can go your whole life, it seems like, you know, mid, your, mid, your early 30s in this case for me, and never, you don't ever hear the gospel. You know, I didn't recognize that by calling myself crazy, I was keeping myself stuck in a life of mental illness. And that I needed to begin to declare that I had not been given a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. That I didn't have to own mental illness. That I didn't have to, wait a minute, I wasn't recreated in Christ with a mentally ill mind. I, be, I, I began to relate, and I, first of all, I heard, I heard, oh my gosh, I'm recreated in Christ. I'm righteous. I've been made brand new. I am holy. I am blameless. There's no condemnation for them that are Christ. I started hearing what it meant to be in Christ, and I said, okay, this is who I really am. And I, I began to, to declare these things over myself and just began to not, I'm not in agreement with an identity that is not who I was recreated in Christ to be. Yet there's so many labels that we put on ourselves that are not, they're not the labels. that You're not going to wear that in heaven. You're not going to go around with, you know, my name is Christina and I'm an alcoholic. We're not going to go around with my name is Bob and I'm a wife abuser. We're not going to go around with my name is Devin and I'm greedy. You know, all these things, these, you know, these, and we have all these I am statements. Well, what about I am an oak of righteousness? I am the planting of the Lord who is, exists in the earth to rebuild the ancient ruins, to restore the generations of desolations. I mean, that, that is what Isaiah prophesied. That Jesus, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. And you know what the good news is? You're an oak of righteousness. The good news is I'm giving you beauty. Where you, where you had ashes, I'm giving you beauty. Where there was mourning, I'm giving you the oil of joy. Where there was a heavy failing and burdened spirit, I'm giving you garments of praise. Where you were in bondage, I'm setting you free. Where you were brokenhearted, you are now healed and restored. It's going to be like it never happened. And if our expectation is not that, not that, if we don't have an expectation, literally, that Jesus, he says, renewed, renewed, it says in Ephesians 2.10. Spiritually transformed, it says. Renewed, ready to be used for good works. And I feel like, the more that we focus on who we are rather than who we were, the more we will manifest who we are. And so, you know, at first when the Lord would tell me that, you know, I would sit outside, he would say, you know, you're that tree. I didn't really understand what he meant, how I was a tree. Uh, but then again, he's been unpacking this for me for months now about this idea that we are self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. We have an invisible source, guys. 
And it's a source for every single need, no matter what the need is. You have an invisible source that meets it. And lately I've been thinking about this too. It's like, um, I said it a little bit earlier, it's like, you know, we aren't, in the kingdom we're not achieving. We're just, we're constantly receiving. Um, It'd be like this, we're not achieving righteousness, we're receiving righteousness. We're not earning our living, we're receiving, we're receiving abundance. And so practically, what does that look like? It looks like you're not worrying about your bills. It looks like you just thanking God that they're paid. Thank you that you're my source. Thank you that I'm self-sufficient in your sufficiency. Thank you that you provide all of my needs according to your riches and glory. Thank you, Lord, that that's been provided. Like in the natural, if you knew that you had an unlimited account, that when your bills came in, you just submitted the bill to whatever, the trustee or something, and the bill got paid, you would never worry about your bills. They would just come in, you'd put, submit them to the trustee, and just you, just, you just, you wouldn't even give a thought about them. But you have, you have an inheritance. You have an inheritance in heaven, and you have an invisible supply of everything that you need. Mm-hmm. So when we say to the bill, you are paid, thank you, Lord, that that bill is paid. That is just a creative, that's like a transfer of the unseen to the, un, to the seen. And you can't say that and worry about it. You know, when you say, thank you, Lord, that it's paid, you just, you know, see it's paid, receive it, and move on. Total trust. Well, I, you know, it's like I can almost hear people having questions and, you know, but Shalise, what this situation is, you know, it's not a bill. This is a, this is a serious situation. You know, it's like, well, okay, well, then how much more do we need to trust God in that situation and thank him that it's been resolved? It's not any harder, honestly, for heaven to meet a seemingly big, problem is it is it's like you know we tell people it's not harder for god to heal a headache i mean a heal cancer than it is a headache it's just harder in our minds and so when you thank him that that thing is resolved you know what you thank him that that heaven has invaded that situation and it it, it is as it is in heaven i mean i think one of the hardest areas that i see people struggling with this is in like the area you know like maybe there's marriage issues or maybe there's issues with children or relational issues. <clears throat> and it's so easy to get caught up on what human beings are doing. They're acting crazy. They're, you know, and we have all kinds of, but at the end of the day, it's always about what are we going to exalt? Are we going to exalt the hardness of the situation, people's unwillingness to cooperate with God, you know, all the reasons why God can't move in this particular person's life? Or are we just going to say, God, we trust that that you, that this isn't bigger than you? 
and we just release them to the Lord. Release it to the Lord. You can get to a place where you laugh. You can literally get to a place where you are, have so much confidence in God that you can just laugh at what anybody is doing. Knowing that God is so much bigger than any of it. And that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or all that we think. And so I just want you to begin to see yourself as this oak, this immovable oak of righteousness, constantly connected to the source and supply of heaven. Immovable, unshakable, self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Ready for anything. Equal to anything. Supplied for everything. And abounding to every good and charitable work. Who doesn't talk of I can't, but only talks in I can. There are no impossibilities. Only unbelief. So let's be believers, amen? Let's, let's, get our, let's get ourselves in agreement with who God says, says that we are. Renewed and ready for use. Amen. Well, Father, I just pray tonight for everyone that's been listening, Lord, that um, there's just going to be, I just declare, Lord, there's a supernatural shift in the way that they see themselves. Thank you, Lord, that the, the word of God, it, it's like a branding on their, their subconscious minds now, Father. I thank you, Lord, that where they have struggled to see themselves as they are in Christ, I thank you, Lord, that there's now an awakening to the reality of the completed work that you've done in them. Lord, I just release a supernatural accelerated catch-up in their thinking. I thank you that their mind is caught up with their spirit, caught up with the finished work that you've done. And Lord, it's beginning to manifest in the same way that mental health began to manifest as I came into agreement with my me having a sound mind, Father. I thank you that they're going to come, that the manifestation of who they are in Christ is about to be released. As we agree, we just agree, Lord, with you. We are who you say we are. We can do what you say we can do. And we absolutely have what you say that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.